I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to a very tired Varsity Club podcast. It's 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. We were podcasting live from, did I say what story we're on? Yeah. I know. I'm going to tell people, we're in the Hilton Chicago By the time hotel. they hear this, they won't be able to find us. We'll be gone, that's true. 14th floor of the Hilton Chicago Hotel. We're at the Media Hotel for Big Ten Media Days. Aaron Sorensen and Brandon Vogel are both sitting across from me. Um, Chris Walsh may or may not jump in. He's currently sitting on the bed being lazy. Um, we're going to talk about some takeaways from Big Ten Media Days. He also wants to, like, you already want to chime in. This is amazing. Let's see how long this lasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll start with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Happy to be here? I am. It's always good to you to come to Chicago. Big Ten Media Days is, there's a lot, and you never feel like you quite cover it all in one day, so... We'll uh, continue going through it in the days ahead, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. I, I don't know if I've ever been to another media days. Um, I really want to go to Sunbelt Media Days in New Orleans, but they just like sit around. I had a buddy that went actually went to the Sunbelt Media Days, and he he they're just at, sitting at tables, like fold out tables, and he asked all of them if they wanted Bama, and they all said yes. They all said yes. Yeah, it was great. I mean, why wouldn't they? It was uh, fantastic. It was capital J journalism. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm tired. I know you're tired. Can I tell the story of what happened to us this morning? I mean, sure. We were, we <laughs> were there, like, two... We were, I mean, we were at the airport an hour before you were. You were not there an hour. You were there, yeah. like, 20 you minutes. You strolled in, like, five minutes before we boarded the plane. That's not true. That's, that is being dramatic, and your tired states are flood... Or you, no, I even have documentation of when you messaged me, so... Anyway, our flight was set to take off from Omaha at 5.45 a.m. And we actually felt pretty good because we beat some storms out of Omaha. We landed a little after 7, probably about like 7.10 in Chicago, which was not bad. A little bit late, um, which is unfortunate because if we had landed when we were supposed to, it would have all been a moot point. Um, But for some reason, we landed and there were storms in the area. And there is allegedly a ramp at O'Hare that like is very sensitive to lightning and when it senses it anywhere in the area it basically shuts the airport down so we got stuck on the tarmac in severe storms 
for two hours. Well, not completely. Some there are some points where it was we're like, like an hour and a half. But no, we were like, let us off the tarmac. It's like sunny skies. Like, what are you doing? But then of course another storm would roll through, and at some point they must have made the decision to just override this ramp, whatever it was. And let us get there because it maybe wasn't safe allowing this like plane to just sit on a tarmac and like a metal tube in a thunderstorm. So anyway, they somehow like made that happen. We got to our gate two hours after we landed, got to the hotel. Oh, you know, about three hours after we intended to, but we got here before we Nebraska, still Nebraska did because they ended up in Peoria and then they had to fly to Gary, Indiana, and then they drove to Gary, Indiana. Or drove from Gary, Indiana to the hotel, which was 40 minutes. And I told somebody that was standing outside, because I was watching, waiting for them to arrive. They came in a black Suburban. And the Suburban was going north on Michigan Ave. And I could tell it was the car that was carrying them, because it was going very, very fast. And it whipped a very aggressive U-turn and pulled south to come into the hotel park. Like, little, like, alcove. So... Somebody asked Khalil Davis about the drive, and he was like, the guy put it, because like, Khalil Davis sat in the front passenger seat yep. of the car, and, photo evidence. and he said the guy put the, the address in on his phone, and it said 48 minutes to get there, and then he kind of paused and smiled, and he's like, it did not take us 48 minutes to get here. No, there's no <laughs> way, because like... <laughs> from when the Nebraska official... Who we won't we won't call out names. The Nebraska official that was on hand at Big Ten Media Days today by himself, waiting for the rest of the team to arrive. Um, he, from the time he said they landed and got in the car to the time they got here was not forty eight minutes. No way, not possible. So they were speeding like bats out of hell. But they made it up tempo. Three minutes. For us does. Yeah, three minutes to spare. Although they did flip. Frost was supposed to speak at noon, Lovey Smith at 12.15. They flipped the two of them, but Frost, as he was exiting the Suburban, basically was like, we've got time, I can go. I think he would have been fine just going right away at noon. But they flipped him, and so here we are. So just to get our, our ducks in order before we start, we have, how many have we published today? we got one, two, three, four, six... And some ten, videos ten you things. may or may not be able to hear. We don't know. Ten things on HillVarsity.com that you can read. Lots of stuff. Go to HillVarsity.com and read the stuff. J.D. Spielman is on the Blitnikoff Award Watch List. It's the only non-Media Days news um, of the day. So I think what we should do is we should just talk about, talk um, about. takeaways from the day. So Brandon, I'll start with you. What was maybe the most interesting thing that you heard today? We had... Frost, Adrian Martinez, Mo Berry, and Khalil Davis, for anybody who didn't know. Most interesting thing you heard? It might be how much Scott Frost loves Cameron Jurgens and how he might be key to the whole whole season. <laughs> I mean, we knew we knew that a little bit, like, from the comments in, in Beatrice, which kind of prompted him to start talking about Cam Jurgens again today. Um, and he again said, you know, used the words special and elite and root reference to a redshirt freshman. And I think everybody sees that. Like, the guy, you know, we just haven't seen him play yet. But you really get the sense, like, the way that they talk about him, that, you know, Nebraska's season potentially changes a little bit based on his availability. And if he's kind of ready to go, as a, which is remarkable for a redshirt 
freshman playing center for the first time uh, tells you how highly they think of him. You were over there for almost the entirety of Frost talking. Did he talk at all about Cam's health? Did that come up? He dodged it. Um, you know, he said, and dodge it. You know, he said, dodge our, it. Um, our, our policy here is to kind of avoid that. You know, he mentioned that this kind of recurring foot issue may have been a lingering thing from his high school years. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, he uses the when terms. When he was younger. Special and elite. Um, but he also always qualifies that if we can keep him healthy. So I think uh, I think there's a little bit of, what's the right word, tension around that. Because, you know, the way he talks about him, you see is kind of like, well, this guy could be really good. But here we are, you know, dealing with a foot issue for the second time in less than a calendar year. Not to get too deep into this, but are you worried about the foot thing with Cam? He's a He's a big guy, he's an athletic guy, but foot injuries for big dudes are problematic and he's put on a ton of weight in a short amount of time and he's going to be playing a pretty um, physically demanding position are you at all concerned about his ability to stay healthy hard to say at this point I mean I think it's something I mean you sense a little bit of concern from people when they talk about it at least like it's not anything where anyone's ringing any alarm bells yet but you kind of got to keep an eye on it at least like you said you know big guys with foot injuries is not a great recipe traditionally you're in the trenches, you're getting stepped on all the time. Like, you know, it's definitely something to watch. Aaron, what about you? Most interesting thing from the day? Uh, actually, it was something that Brandon pointed out, and I included it in my takeaways that are on the website. Um, but one was, Brandon just asked us, like, how many players at Big Ten Media Days you think would be able to name their the first four or five games of their schedule off the top of their head, just, you know, if you prompted them with a question and I don't know the answer to that. And maybe like we're, we're giving Mohammed Barry too much credit for this, but he was very quick when he was asked about the Ohio state game to basically say they need to worry about South Alabama, Colorado, Northern Illinois, Illinois, all these other teams before they really need to start worrying about Ohio state. It was interesting as Martinez said, basically the exact same thing. Somebody wanted to talk about Colorado and getting that second chance and he got hurt and wasn't able to finish the game. And he's like, I love this. He goes, first things first, we definitely have to focus on South Alabama. They're going to be a tough team and that's going to be a big one for us. So they're not dodging any games. And it's kind of this idea of you can't be, you can't have people only thinking you're great because of your performance in one game. You have to be great in all of these games, and all of those games start with South Alabama. So they're not going over that game, and that stood out to me because I think that's a mentality that we've sort of been hitting on for a few years, where and probably even longer, where it just feels like sometimes Nebraska overlooks certain opponents and maybe plays down to that opponent as a result, or they just play – they don't play the way that they should or they don't look prepared. So this is it's refreshing to hear the players say that, and it was kind of cool to see that quote from Muhammad Barry where he just starts rolling off the team names. Yeah, so there are 21 guys who spoke today, 21 players, over, under, of 10. Over of guys today that could have named their first five opponents? Under. I'd probably take the under. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I mean – so everyone says the one game at a time thing, um, and maybe that's why it's under. Maybe they are taking it very like I've only so looked, literal. I've only looked at the top of the schedule. Um, but you know, it just kind of to me to build off a little bit of what you said. You know, it kind of 
it kind of cemented for me a little bit of like why Mo Berry has the spot he has on this team mm-hmm. as like a team spokesperson, emotional leader. Like he said the right thing. He said, I'm not worried about Ohio State right now, but he gave a little more. And I think that's something you see frequently with Muhammad Berry. And he's a guy I'm really excited to watch play this year. Yeah, I was about to ask, is he, was he the most underrated Husker here? Because everybody wanted to talk to Adrian Martinez and then Khalil Davis was here. And so everybody was surprised that he was here. So people were wanting to talk to him and, Mo was just kind of everybody expected Mo, so maybe they weren't expecting much from Mo. And then, I mean, I, I feel like I spent most of my time with Mo, and yeah. some of the stuff that he said, some of the quotes that he gave were just like fantastic. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to, I think it's easy to get sort of starstruck by Adrian Martinez, and I'll use what we experienced in the lobby as an example. So as we were all getting ready to go to dinner. Uh, we bumped into the Nebraska players in the lobby. And the one cool thing about Big Ten Media Days, which I do want to preface, is they do a good job of involving fans. So there's a big fan fest on the second day. They do the luncheon if people want to go. And those that fan fest and the luncheon usually does provide fans an opportunity to meet their favorite coaches and players, get autographs, photos, everything else. However, there's also a group of people, typically grown adults, who are looking to make a quick buck who camp outside these hotels and basically wait for anyone that they think is going to be someone that they can easily sell a helmet or a jersey or something off of. And unfortunately, that's that happened with Adrian. And so he was like standing in the lobby with both Khalil and Mohammed, and the only one who was getting really harassed was Adrian. And I mean, he was getting followed. We even talked about that guy who was so shameless that he was just following him around even after security had asked the guy to leave the hotel. So... I thought what was poignant is we're sitting at dinner and you kind of made a point to say like, and here's this, you know, potentially like all Big Ten linebacker and, you know, both Khalil and Mo are potential like NFL, you know, whether or not they're drafted, they could be, you know, free, like they'll go somewhere and get a chance with an NFL team. Well, there, was a guy ask, there was a guy asking Mo Berry about his draft prospects and if he heard from NFL teams. At the at this media day, yeah. So, but I'm just saying, like, to your but, point, yeah. But people are overlooking them because they're so focused on Adrian. I think that sort of is what happened. To your point, is Khalil was sort of the, the surprise pick, and he also kind of had the advantage of his spot was directly across from Adrian's in the, the room that we got to talk to them. So people, when they were done talking to Adrian, they would just go right across. Mohammed was down by Scott. And he kind of got a little bit, like, clouded for a little bit because everyone was either with Scott or they were with Adrian. And so Mo kind of got, I don't want to say, like, overlooked, but I think people just were kind of missing him. And it's too bad because he was probably one of your most quotable guys today. Yeah. And so the people who did get a chance to sit and talk to him probably got some of the best stuff. And there's a reason, to your point, that he is here and he is the person he is on this team well, I have I have my and transcription I, from Mo pulled up right now, go for and there it. there's some good stuff. And to your point, Brandon, he was asked a question, and you're like, okay, he's going to give you the normal what you expect him to say answer, and then he just kept going and going and going. And so um, I kind of asked him. He, he had a comment in the spring where he was like, "The light is off the black shirts, and that makes us hungrier." And I just kind of asked him what he meant, and he was like, "This is a defensive program. This is a program." whose identity for years and years and years has been on the defensive side of the football. And, yeah, it's great that our offense is um, awesome, but we want to be a, a program that's known for its defense. And so the follow-up question then was, okay, well, how do you fix what's going on with the defense then? And, and he said, 
what do you think he said? Stop the run? Would that be your bet? Yeah. I mean, you kind of got to in the Big Ten. Yeah. Well, his answer was stop the run. He was okay. like, stop the run. This is a man's league. we got to stop the run. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, that's what they've always said. That's kind of the cookie-cutter answer here. But then he took it a step further, and the thing that I found most interesting was he kept talking about Darian Daniels. Darian Daniels kept coming up, and he had a presence um, at this media days, even though he wasn't here. And Mo said something that I don't think anybody has talked about throughout the spring was that part of the problem that they had with stopping the run last year was they didn't have a true nose guard, in his words. And so what would happen is there would have the offensive line would have guards free-releasing the linebackers, and then Mo and, and Colin Miller or Dedrick Young weren't available to make any plays. And so guys were getting five and six yards downfield before they were even really getting into contact. And so I thought that was really interesting from that standpoint. And he was talking about how they're going to benefit greatly from just having a legit 330-pound nose guard who mm-hmm. has started and played in big games and knows how to play the position. And um, I was looking up stuff on Darian Daniels. He ran a 4.7640 when he was in high school. Jeez. He's a fast dude. And that was when he was like 280. Got to keep those linebackers clean. Um, and not only do they have Darian, but I think it allows them to use um, Damian like the way that they want to use him, mm-hmm. which is a little bit limited, you know. Um, and then you've also got, you know, really anybody on the D-line can slide in there if they have to, but kind of what Mo was talking about is, you know, that wasn't a great solution last year. Now they've got two guys that could potentially be that kind of classic space-eating nose tackle. Yeah. Well, and I think we've talked a lot in the past about, like, what could have been, because you, you think of, like, what a really amazing nose tackle could have been for Nebraska and like you immediately think of someone like Indomitian Sue like that is the kind of size that you needed and that kind of like nastiness that you needed in the middle and for better or worse and I think I I I can speak for myself on this but we all really like Mick Soltenberg I mean I really liked Mick Soltenberg I think Mick Soltenberg worked his butt off for Nebraska and he did a lot that was asked of him that like his body and his his ability didn't really always allow him to do and kind of going back to like when we're talking about Cam Jurgens, he also was one of those people where it was like if we can keep him healthy he can be good and he he fought a lot of injury he fought a lot of like limitations on his own body to be able to do what he did for Nebraska but he was never really what they needed in that middle spot and Darian Daniels truly for the first time since Nebraska did switch to the 3-4 but now in what it is in year two with Frost, they're finally getting that guy that you really, really needed in the middle. And it sounds like he also has the leadership, which is pretty cool because they've all they all talked about that leadership with him, which it almost makes you wish he could have been here too. Yeah. I got some cool anecdotes on Darian. I'm going to write about him. But there's one that Khalil was talking about how um, – because somebody asked him – who's the crazier brother pairing him and Carlos or Damien and Darian and he said well Damien and Darian just like to argue with each other oh yeah and I was like okay what do you mean and he's like they just yell at each other mm-hmm. I guess um Khalil said so they don't have assigned seating in in Tuioti's defensive meeting room defensive line meeting room uh but Damien sits in the same spot every single day and Darian came in one morning and sat in the spot and um, Damien showed up, and Darian was in his spot, and Damien got super pissed about it and just didn't talk to anyone for the rest of the day. <laughs> and Tony Tuioti was apparently just laughing at the whole thing in, in the front of the room, and Damien is just sitting there fuming. 
Well, it so happened it after like, practice in the spring. There was one day in the... I remember the two of them came upstairs and Darian was apparently giving Damien some, like, what he felt was constructive feedback on something that had happened in practice. And Damien was not really loving this constructive feedback from Darian. And so it turned into them essentially, like, slap fighting each other as they were walking down the hallway. And it was... It was two Yodi that was just like, this is what I deal with. Is these two just like at each other's throats all the time. But he did say Darian is making Damien better. And it was actually today Khalil said that Darian's actually keeping Damien more in line. Mm-hmm. He said he's definitely he's definitely got him like So it happens when your big brother's around. Yeah. yeah. You gotta keep keep it a little bit more buttoned up. Let's talk about hype. Brandon, you wrote your column from the day on hype. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I read it because I haven't read it yet. Uh, it I, I've been up since 2 a.m. and I don't I don't think that stuff is going to make sense anymore. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of hype surrounding this team. Yeah. Um, and Aaron, you can maybe speak to Adrian and, and his hype. thoughts on hype. it. You can hype. Brandon, you can probably talk about what. Um, Coach Frost said Bill Moose talked before we went into that little podium breakout session and uh, basically was like six wins is fine. Yeah, it's that's fine. That's that's our baseline. Like, what do you think? How, how do you think this team is approaching expectations? Do you think expectations are out of hand? Mo Berry kind of had the comment. He's like, look, we were four and eight last year. Like, we got to yeah. prove some stuff before we before we start talking. Do you kind of did you get the same vibe? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those things that you just mentioned are are in that column um and i think there's a couple of interesting things about it like for me the difference between hype and expectations are you've kind of got to jump through this hype hoop before you can get there Mm -hmm. i mean really when you look at the last 20 years of nebraska football and i know the expectation for fans never changed but when you're in a setting like this where like the entire conference media and a bunch of national guys are asked to like assess Nebraska they don't have expectations for Nebraska anymore you know it's kind of like yeah you know they they haven't won a conference title since 1999 like the days of just like penciling Nebraska in are gone and I think that's what they're trying to get back to so from a media looking in standpoint it very much is hype because Nebraska was four and eight last year as Mo Berry noted you know, they're, they're getting first place votes, you know, they're a slight favorite, but really what that's showing is just kind of like how crowded the West is. Like somebody's got to be the top team, you know, when you get into tiebreakers and whatnot, but it's like, it's basically like, yeah, you know, it could come down to that Nebraska Iowa game and whoever wins it, you know, gets it or Nebraska Wisconsin. So it, it was a little bit about that, but you know, I got the sense from Frost and, and Barry, um, that it's not hype to them. Like, for them, they're already at the expectation stage. They're like, and you know, it's the things that you're talking about. It's gonna, we're going to go out and we're going to win the first game. And we're going to try and win the second game. Which, you know, is like a classic media days cliche, but you kind of hear the same message from every person. And that's usually a pretty good sign. I think there's a pretty fine line that they're trying to walk because they're, it's, it's hard to really put expectations on this team because, like Frost mentioned in the Open, they are so incredibly young that there are a lot of places you just don't know what's going to happen. But at the same time, and Frost said this, and and maybe Bill said this too, I, this is Nebraska. Nebraska needs to have expectations of being yeah. one of the best teams in 
the conference and well, eventually. Frost did say the Big Ten West hasn't been as great as it can be because Nebraska hasn't been good. That was a big. That was a big one too. There you go. Like, I thought that <laughs> it's true, um, but it takes a little bit of uh, guts to to come out and say it. You know, mm-hmm. I think that might have been the brashest moment from Frost of the. Of that the was this. That was this year's get us now comment. Yep. Yeah. It was. Um, and I don't think he's wrong. And I think he can not be wrong, and you can still be respectful of what Wisconsin's done and Iowa and Northwestern, but it's true. Like, you know, Nebraska's been in the Big Ten now since 2011. It's not what Big Ten thought they were getting. You know, it's been close a couple of times, but, and that's kind of what Frost was saying. Yeah, I mean, with Adrian, too, I think a lot of them are very aware of the hype, and I think they're trying to be cautious because I think they're trying not to overhype themselves. Like, I think it would be really easy to get caught up in it and just kind of snowball from there where you're thinking, oh, we're great, we're this, we're this, this. But they also understand, who's your starting center? You know, yeah, we're talking about Darian and how great he is, but we also technically haven't seen this defensive line up against anyone yet so there are a lot of questions a lot of uncertainty um there's a lot of reason to believe that they'll be improved um but to be fair when we think about when you look at like the cleveland.com poll or the nebraska media that came together for michael severe that did the like the 22 media members who put together from a nebraska perspective it really, if you look at where Nebraska falls, which whether you're looking at Cleveland.com's or the Nebraska one, they fall like, yes, at the top of the West, but everything between three and seven on a one through 14 scale. So I'm not just looking at East and West, but the entire conference, everything between three and seven is super close. Not that many points separated Nebraska from Iowa and Wisconsin. It wasn't like people were just handedly saying Nebraska. There was you could almost make the case for anybody between like like three and seven. The only people who were kind of out at the top were Ohio State and Michigan, Michigan being number one, Ohio State right behind them. And then it gets a little bit jumbled between three and seven, and then it starts to become a little bit clearer again at the bottom where you're like, all right, Rutgers is probably going to be last. Um, so that's the other piece that I think is kind of we have to be careful with the hype is that it's not like Nebraska like is being picked to win the West by this like large margin. People are still pretty cautious. Like, I ranked them as I ranked them in the entire Big Ten at six for full transparency, and I had both Iowa and Wisconsin ahead of them. But that's not because I don't think Nebraska can't win the West. I just kind of need them to. I just kind of need them to prove me wrong. I had Nebraska five, behind Penn State and Michigan State. So I had Wisconsin six, Minnesota seven, Iowa eight, Ooh. Purdue nine. Maybe, actually, now that I say it, maybe I had Iowa one behind Yeah, I had Iowa one behind them. So it was only Wisconsin ahead of them. But to your point, three through seven is all interchangeable. Oh, it's like you could make the case of putting one person here over another, and you'd probably feel okay about it. And even then, in the Cleveland.com poll, Iowa and Nebraska had the same number of first-place votes. Yeah. The only reason Iowa or Nebraska was, quote-unquote, the favorite was because they had more second-place votes. Is that how it worked? Yeah, I think yeah. they were just higher overall on the... So when they weren't first, their rankings were better than Iowa's when Iowa wasn't first. But look, if you ain't first, you're last. You last. Um, freshly tanned, uh, in shape, just off the ranch in uh, Washington, Bill Moose made an appearance and talked about facilities and said, we have good facilities. 
Um, it it kind of did the same thing, the same song and dance that he's been doing for months now, where he said, we have... Scott Frost disagrees. Well, hold on, I'm going to get to that. No. Where he basically was like, we have uh, equal, comparable facilities to everybody else at the Power 5 level right now, but what I'm doing is I'm looking five years in the future. That's what he told me a couple months ago when we talked. He's what he's told everybody else, but then he kind of took it a step further, and for the first time, really, he said, we don't have approval for any renovation projects yet. And we're still probably a ways away from getting something like that. So there's that. And then... Well, can I just say one quick thing about that? Because I no. think some people don't understand when he's talking about, like, we don't have approval for it. Like, I think a lot of people immediately go, like, he's Bill Moose. You should have the ability to just say, I want this and get it done. We have to get a budget approved. Well, that's that. And then there's also, similar to what happens when they did the stadium expansion, if anything, if anything affects the integrity of the University of Nebraska, if there's any historical landmarks, if there's anything. And then they also have to take into account for everything that you build for student-athletes, you have to account for the actual just regular student population. I worked in admissions, so, like, and Chris, I don't know if, like, how much you, like, knew about this in your role, but, like, they have to have a balance between if you're going to build for student-athletes, you have to also be doing something for the general student population. So, like, that's when they did the South Stadium renovations. They also built the computer science in there. Isn't it computer science? I thought that rule only applied for, like, housing. No, it's like, it's like you have to do a fair, and somebody listening probably knows the, like, but it's like you have, is it computer science over in South Stadium? You know what I'm talking about? That, like, but yeah, you have to do something for the general student population to, like, counteract. You can't just keep building everything for student athletes and not do something that balances out. So when you're going through these whole things of, like, budgets and um, everything else, they're having to consider, one, landmarks on campus. Like, you can't just build on a memorial stadium without taking into the structural, like, that. that is a historic landmark. So when they built the new piece on East Stadium... They had to literally go and, like, have the person who developed it, like, show them how they were going to build around it that you could hypothetically take it down without, it like, ruining the integrity of the stadium. Same thing. So there's all these moving pieces. So I just wanted to, like, throw that out there when people are like, I just don't understand why Bill Moose doesn't just say I want this. There's actually some stuff that is out of his reach. He can certainly push for it. It just isn't, like, snap your fingers and make it happen. you got to build around Bill Callahan's rock. <laughs> the rock that got thrown outside of the stadium. Like, you mean you can't just yeah, you can't just. Also, it. fundraising is also a thing that would yes. need to happen for that. <laughs> because so. they just they don't have all the money in the world. I also think that yeah. like people think that like BTN that money just is like floating out of the sky in Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, no, I, they, they give it to them here. I saw it. They, they just they like just hand give, over give the bags. Give them a brief, briefcase. Is it a briefcase or is it one of those big cartoon like money comical bag? checks? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the check. So oh, they should give them a bag. So they're the literally bag? coming to Chicago to get the bag. There you go. That's what they should do. You mean do. what everyone thought that Akron did when they didn't end up playing the game? They're like, oh, they totally planned this. They just they just came to Nebraska for the money. So they planned a storm. You derailed us. That's amazing. All the, right, anyway, the thing that I want, The point that I wanted to get to was Bill says we're good and we don't have plans. And then 20 minutes later... Brandon Scott Frost is like, yo, not so fast. <laughs> well, for him, so, you know, they've made a major push to uh, up the roster numbers. Uh, Frost didn't give an exact number today, but they're up around 150 again. And they don't have room. <laughs> like, 
there are people sitting on stairs in uh, in their team meetings. You know, the weight room has been reportedly, um, according to Frost, you know, they've got they've had to come up with some ways to like cycle people through. They have four lift groups. Right. They can't lift together as a team. Yeah. Iowa has like what twelve thousand square feet in a weight room, and Nebraska has to break into four lift groups. Yeah. That in and of itself should get you approval. Yeah. Frost Frost dropped a number. I won't cite them exactly because I haven't confirmed them myself, but like. <laughs> He mentioned the number of Power 5 teams that have basically renovated or brought or built new facilities since Nebraska, you know, upgraded theirs last time. And it's almost all of Power 5 schools. So, well, and I, I mean, when we, were, I've, when we were out in Oregon a couple of years ago, I remember seeing, taking a tour of Oregon's campus, and, like, you see those facilities. And it's not that, like, Nebraska needs to be identical, but you see those facilities and you're just like, Holy smokes, this is pretty cool. I can see how a kid would come here and get, you know, sort of like starstruck from the amenities and like the building. Freaking Northwestern practices literally like with a lake view every On a day. beach. On a beach. You should just play all our games in that stadium. You just live stream everything. Nobody goes to the games anymore anyway. Unless they play in Nebraska and Nebraska fans come. That's true. Yeah, they need to actually be able to like accommodate the Nebraska contingency of their <laughs> fan base. Also, Iowa's twenty three thousand square feet, not twelve. Yeah. So, uh, so I already misspoke. So it's how dare you? That's cool. Um, but facilities were an interesting thing that I was not expecting to be talked about today. I think Scott definitely wants the facility thing to move a lot quicker than sort of maybe what's happening on the athletic director level and like above him. Like I think there's a lot of people who probably understand what Scott is saying and want that to happen, but it's just not as easy. Whereas I think for with Scott, he's just like, please make this happen now. Because yeah, if you up if you can upgrade, it makes recruiting easier. Um, it hopefully makes your job easier, um, getting your athletes prepared, and also it would probably be nice to go to work in a really cool, awesome new facility. But it's not like I I think it's just sometimes people assume like it's and not saying Scott thinks this. I know Scott probably understands a little bit more of the intricacies. But he's definitely coming from the side of, like, I want this to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, we, we all want to take a slide to work if we can, <laughs> like Davos. We well, know? yeah. It's not too much to ask. I just want them to have a cool locker room so that we can see the pictures of it. I'm a dork for all this stuff. Their One locker room isn't, like, uncool, but I will say, like, the, like, cold tub area is, like, have you, like, you're in Oklahoma, did person. you okay? Like, well, Oklahoma's like cold tub room, like has like neon lights that flash when they go in there. They're like cryotherapy room and like water aerobic, whatever the the heck it's called, is amazing. Did you see Florida's newly renovated or opened um, locker room? They were tweeting out a bunch of pictures of it. it. Looks amazing. It's also like the cool thing to do with locker rooms now. It's just light shows galore. Yeah. So Nebraska could probably just like change out the wood for like metal and a bunch of lights, pew, and pew. people would be like, "Oh my gosh, this is so amazing!" That's the thing; it's yeah. not wood anymore. Yeah. anymore. yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like that was like an early two thousands, like that like all wood kind of look was like yeah. a thing. You got a country club vibe. Yep. It does have a. It is. It's very much a country club. He's trying to appeal to the farm boys, the guys that like fishing. Fishing. Nash Hutmacher. Did you guys see his, like, pile drive thing, the video that was going around yeah, on Twitter? Yeah, he started sending polar bear he gifts to people. destroyed a kid. Um, okay, one thing I was <laughs> expecting to hear was wow, Jim Delaney's plea to the college football playoff to stop ignoring the Big Ten. 
you have talked before about how you don't necessarily think the Big Ten getting left out of the playoff is like an indictment on the conference. And I'm kind of, I think that's very, I think that's interesting because Delaney today was basically like, stop, value, value conference championships more, value strength of schedule more. And he didn't necessarily say we need uniform conference schedules. He just said if we're going to have variance in conference schedules, there needs to be like a way that we can judge them. And that way should be strength of schedule. And he said the, the Big Ten's not going to change. They're going to stick with nine. He doesn't want to get rid of that extra conference game. But he basically wants the college football playoff to, I don't know, like respect them more. I mean, like, what's your take on this whole situation? Well, I think he has to say that. Um, you know, it, it goes to – so the committee's only real mandate is find the four best teams. Now, I would say the majority of people would say if you win – well, you're going to have to leave one Power 5 conference out. But if you win a conference title, that should get you in. Well, if the majority of people think that, then let's just make it that that automatically gets you in. Because if the mandate is to get the four best teams, sometimes the top four conference champions aren't the best teams. And it's not like Ohio State hasn't been close. It's not like they haven't had an argument. You know, we went into the last year with a three-team race for that last spot. And that, you know, <laughs> yeah, you got to pick one eventually, um, but that's what they're asked to do. They're like, which one do you think is the best? Because we haven't lined up any ways for you to not have to make that decision. In fact, it's your only job. So, you know, it's just, yeah, you're going you're gonna to go to bat for your conference, but what else are they supposed to do? This is what they've been asked to do. Um, one thing that Bob Bowlesby was asked about at uh, Big 12 Media Days, either last week or earlier this week, was somebody, for whatever reason, asked him if Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12 to join the Big 10. Yep. I don't know why. Their grant of rights isn't up until 2025, so we're a long ways off before we start talking about expansion. But we'll be here before you know it. Do you think with um, some fresh ideas in that commissioner spot, do you think expansion is dead? Or do you think, and this question can be for either of you, is expansion something that could realistically happen in the future? Somebody somebody was asked, I feel like Loxley maybe, or Tom Allen was asked about like expansion and, and how that would benefit some of the, the East Coast teams maybe. Like, Do you think that this is something that is actually plausible option? I don't think expansion is done. I didn't think it was done when the expansion happened. Now, I mean, all that really what happened the same time Nebraska did 2011, that period 2010-2011 when like people started kind of moving around. I don't know if you're going to get to these like super conferences because then you just essentially have conferences within conferences, but I don't think it's done. I I still am of the firm belief that I think that the Big 12 dissolves at some point. I don't know when, but I, I just think there's going to eventually be a blow up there and people start kind of finding other homes. And it's just a matter of when does the first domino fall. But I don't, I've, I've thought for a long time that expansion isn't done. And when it, I, I've thought also for a long time that Delaney kind of thinking like how, 
Bill Moose's where he's got his list of coaching possibilities in a drawer. I've always thought Delaney had basically his list of like, when this starts to happen, here are the people I'm calling first. And I'm sure now with a change of commissioner, maybe that viewpoint changes. But I don't think that that, I don't think that you would go into a new commissioner, commissioner being unprepared for that to potentially happen. You have to know who you want. Well, the Big Ten wanted Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And David Bourne said, we're not leaving unless we can bring Oklahoma State with us. And they said, no way. And Oklahoma State, from an academic standpoint, would not be uh, allowed into the Big Ten. Is that like a state politics thing? I think it maybe has something to do with state politics, because both are, are public institutions. But I also think it was just Bourne looking out for the other Oklahoma school. Um, I think that has something to do with well, it. Well, Kansas and Kansas State kind of are the same, the same thing. Where like one sort of said, "Well, we wouldn't come without the other," and then wasn't it like I can't remember. Maybe I'm making this up in my head, but I'm pretty sure when that all sh- was like kind of happening, where it was like maybe hypothetically Kansas would look elsewhere, and it was like, "Well, can K State's like, well, they can't leave us," and Kansas pretty much was like, "No, we'll leave you." <laughs> Like Kansas is going to go someplace better. Kansas is going to go someplace yeah. better. Can I can't remember that, but I'm pretty sure like people thought K State and Kansas would kind of be a package deal, and Kansas pretty much like shot that down. Well, so the other option was OU and Texas, and I don't think anybody in the Big Ten wants to add Texas. To this no, conference. unfortunately, Texas is a bit of a pariah. So it's the question of like who's going to take Texas, and I, you can make a case for the Pac-12 or Texas just needs to form the Southwestern Conference again. And then we can recreate this thing called the Big Eight. You can bring back, like, Baylor and Texas Tech, mm-hmm. and you can put Houston in it, and you can put Rice in it, and you can put all the Texas schools in there. And SMU. It was a good league. That was a fun league. I mean, I don't remember, like, watching it, but, like, looking at it from afar, like, there was a time in the mid-'80s where I think every team except for one was on probation. It was just <laughs> it, it, it was amazing. You know, like, it they're all just turning each other in. Like, like it was it was like Texas oil money, and they were just like trying to one-up each other. I mean, SMU got the death penalty, you know, and, and maybe if they don't, like, we don't think of SMU as like, you know, a Conference USA program running the ADC. Um, anyway. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of them have a chance at the playoff. Yeah. I mean, in terms of but expansion. But do you want Bama? Sorry. <laughs> in terms of expansion, like, so I think the Pac-12 schools are out. Like they're just too geographically isolated to be part of expansion. Like they could try and expand their own conference, but like they're not in the market. They're, Big Ten's not adding Stanford, though I'm sure it would love to. Um, at least I don't think For so. academic purposes. But um, so I mean, really, when you look at it, like Oklahoma and Texas are probably like the the two most in demand, like desirable schools for any conference. You know. SEC would take them for sure. The Big Ten should want to take them. Um, but I don't think... So last time, the Big Ten really like kicked off the whole expansion era when it got Nebraska. And then it made sort of what looks like a genius play in terms of money uh, in adding Rutgers in Maryland like right before we really got into cord cutting. And, you know... When you could still do that, it was kind of like the last big gas where you could be like, oh, we just want those TV markets because we're going to charge these carrier fees for the Big Ten Network, and it gets us New York City. Well, that's pretty much dead now. So now you're just kind of looking at fit. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I don't know, this wouldn't excite Big Ten fans. So I don't think the Big Ten will be the first mover on that. No, that they'll be ready, but they're going to wait till the domino falls somewhere else, and then they'll jump in. Let me throw these two names at you. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, I, I'm, like, not mentally prepared for what it's going to be. All right. They're both in the ACC. Oh, geez. All right. Georgia Tech. Get Atlanta. Okay. They went after Georgia Tech hard. Yeah. Like, really? During Rutgers, Maryland. Here. They did, yeah. And Virginia. Okay, Virginia would make some sense to me. Great academic school. Why not a school like Syracuse? Why a school like Syracuse? <laughs> Market. See, but it's it's in the middle. It's like way up north in New York. It's the Syracuse market, and that's it. But I mean, now. But are they better yeah. than Rutgers? Well, yeah, but. If they could bring any two schools, like in a perfect world, if I could pick any two schools to come into the Big Ten, like they're just gonna be able to go and hand select. I would love Oklahoma and Kansas. I want West Virginia so that we can sing country roads. Oh, no. Do you know that West Virginia is in the Big 12? Because every year I see that, and it reminds me all over again that West Virginia is in the Big 12, and that is so strange. West Virginia is like the most Big 12 team ever. Dana Holgerson-led West Virginia is the most Big 12 team ever. What is the Big 12? Explain yourselves. Um, okay, closing thoughts. Favorite. Virginia makes sense though. Favorite coach here. Wait, I have some too though. Before you get into your closing thoughts, do you want these two questions before? What are your? You have closing thoughts? Well, I just have two questions that kind of fit with this. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Go for them. Do you want them before yours? Sure. All right. So I asked this of Chris and Derek earlier, but I didn't ask Brandon. So over under Adrian Martinez weighs two hundred and thirty four pounds. Um, under, based on what he said. Dang it. So if you're playing at home and you're like, over <laughs> under 234 pounds, he is under, he currently weighs 225 pounds. All right. Okay, hold no, on. No. Let, me, no, let me add weight also, because Mo Berry said he played last year 222, okay. and he's now 237. And for all the people that on Twitter were like, oh my gosh, Will Honus looks huge. Mo said he's now 235. Uh, and the guys that Frost was talking about doing 800 on squats was Khalil Davis and Chris Walker. And Khalil said there was probably eight guys who did seven plates or more. Carlos Davis did eight plates. Khalil did nine on squat. So, Is, is, is it weird that Mo Berry knows the how only much thing, Will weighs? That is kind of weird. How does he know No, that? this is just a weird subculture in football. We just talk about other people's bodies. It's just it's a weird so thing. Just as for the record, I just want to point this out. I've said this so many times to Brandon. If you're sitting at home just gawking over Adrian Martinez's body and having to, like a heyday to be like, oh my gosh, his biceps are so large now. You should have just said so arms. You made it weird. No. This is what happens. If it sounds weird when I'm saying it, it sounds just as weird when you're saying it. So just remember... Just remember that. Okay, what was your other question? Okay. So, if you were standing there, you cannot you cannot say it. I don't know if any of you were. Khalil Davis was asked to pick one. To play in a Super Bowl or go to the Olympics. Which did he pick? Oh, I was not over there for this. Were you? No. All right. So, he was asked, Super Bowl, play in a Super question. Bowl, or go to the Olympics? 
feel like he would say Olympics. I hope he would say Super Bowl. Like, track was very traumatic experience for me i hated track meets when i had to go to them in high school and i have an inherent distrust of anybody who really loves track so i'm hoping he said the super bowl wow so how do you feel about scott frost then track and field yeah well his mom was a track coach he might get an exemption and she went to the olympics okay but it's still weird to me okay what do you i didn't know this chris yeah it's a me thing okay i think olympics all right so he kind of had two answers his initial answer was he would pick the Olympics. However, so that was his initial, so I'm sorry. You can't trust Khalil Davis anymore, Brandon. I mean, the Olympics are just a much bigger thing than the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. I mean, have been... But he That's said, realistically... Yeah. Brandon's he, giving me a weird look right now. He said, realistically, his track career is likely over. It probably won't go anywhere professionally, whereas he would have a better shot professionally in football. So a Super Bowl is... a is more of a realistic goal for him now. But you can dream it, you can do it. Say, Tomorrow you just walk straight up to him and be like, Khalil, this is for you. You can do it. Can he can do come it, he can come back and throw in the Cornhusker State games. Oh yeah. That's the Olympics of Nebraska. <laughs> Scott Frost did after his rookie year in the NFL. <laughs> that's right, he, did. he just came back and threw shot. Because that's what he did. So there you go. Interesting. It's a good question. Yeah, I thought it was a great question. So thanks question. to the random person I don't know who they were that asked it. Really liked it. You don't th- you think the Super Bowl is bigger than the Olympics in scope? It's like yeah. one one country's big thing versus like yeah all of the world. It's a worldwide event. They don't put the Super Bowl on tape delay. Now it's always in America, so they don't have to. They but used to put the Super Bowl on it's tape. It's always delay, around the stars and the stripes. Um. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking viewership numbers, now the Olympics, of course, is not one day event, but like people get excited for the Olympics when they're on and then never think about them again. I will admit I don't watch the Olympics. It's cool <laughs> to start. Guys, next year, I, watch all two weeks. I do too. Solidarity. We, I mean, we start strong and then it just kind of dies off. And I watch like, every sport. The United States starts strong or your like ability to watch it? No, like strong. the... the um, yeah, the ability to watch it. But I just don't watch a lot of television, unless it's NBA basketball. Oh, I so you know, you know what the argument against the popularity, the actual, like, real popularity and passion for the Olympics is? The rise of curling. No. Like, but that's not in the Summer Olympics, so... Oh. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway. People love curling because they see it in the Olympics, and they're like, oh, this is kind of neat. This is a novelty. But, like, nobody's passionate about curling except for, like, maybe 10,000 people in the entire world. Hey, Nebraska has a curling team. <laughs> they, and they DM'd I did me. a story on the curling team. Oh, you team. did? Yeah. I also snorted on this podcast. Yeah, you did. Brandon's uh... response was just like, please stop talking. It was great. Okay. Let's try to wrap this up. Favorite Big Ten coach. Greg Smith says Tom Allen. I'm not going to say mine because I so feel like weird. you guys are going to yell at me. I'll say mine at the end. Brandon, favorite Big Ten coach. Um, non-frost edition. I guess I mean, that really is my pick in this setting. The your favorite guy to listen to. Um, what is Scott Frost Homer over here? <laughs> I said Brom earlier. I need to. I need to see him again tomorrow and see how he performs. I don't know. If, like favorite guy to literally listen to is Lovey Smith with his Texas draw. 
He's he's amazing. His giant beard. And the beard got better. It did. Like I didn't think the beard could get better. I figured he would trim it down a little bit at some point. Nope, not yet. He's not trimming it until they win a football game. Oh, it's great. They won four games last year. So he gets to trim his beard four times. One of the best rushing teams in the country. Reggie Corman. Yeah, Mo Berry was talking about rushing attacks in the Big Ten, and he mentioned Jonathan Taylor and Reggie Corbin from Illinois. It's crazy. No other running backs. Jonathan Taylor and Reggie Corbin. Reggie Corbin works out with Amir Abdullah. It's so crazy that Jonathan Taylor Thomas is in the Big Ten these days. Jonathan Taylor is two average seasons away from 8,000 yards rushing in his career, and Reggie Corbin got mentioned in the same sentence with him. Amazing. Just... Aaron, are you okay? <laughs> Do you know who Jonathan Taylor Thomas is? No. Oh, what a time to be alive. Um, I would pick James Franklin, probably. You just talked to him about mullets. <laughs> well, because he said Jack Stoll's mullet was better than a guy named Blake on his team, which... <laughs> he liked the idea of a stolet. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good call. That's, that, that is a good coining of a phrase. <laughs> What is happening right now? Is Chris okay? <laughs> Aaron has tears in her eyes. It's the way I said it. We're laughing about the same thing, right? <laughs> he picked Jack Stoll some guy named Blake. <laughs> and then my favorite part is, like, earlier Chris was like, <laughs> if there's a guy on the, if there's a guy on your team that's gonna have a mullet, his name is gonna be Blake. Blake Blazer. Derek, who's your favorite Big Ten coach? PJ! Oh why? Flexter! I like him. I like that he talks. I really wanted him to challenge Jeremy Pruitt. You, you mean you mean Row the boat Sky Yuma, go go first. Thank you so much, Row the Boat Sky Yuma. Sky Yuma. Sky Yuma. Go Gophers. Go Gophers. <laughs> Super fast. He oh. has a down. He has a down really well. He does it really well. It's yeah, not an easy. It's not an easy like, thing to do. No, it's not. I wanted him to challenge Jeremy Pruitt. What did you think of Jeremy Pruitt filibustering at SEC Media Days? I didn't see it. Twenty-one minutes. They get thirty minutes to talk to the coaches, which includes an opening statement and His uh, opening questions. Statement His opening minutes. statement was twenty-one minutes. Yeah. And I, I, we did the, the storylines to watch thing, and I, so 3,667 words was his opening statement transcribed. <laughs> That's 20% of the catcher in the rye. <laughs> it's the equivalent of singing the Star Spangled Banner That's it. 46 times. Back to back to back. Did he say anything for good? the Olympics? No, he talked about how much he didn't like the event. Yeah. I mean, he's. He yeah. legit filibustered for 21 minutes. He's a, he's a saving disciple, so. School. I was hoping J- uh, PJ Fleck got up there and said 4,000 words in 15 minutes. That's what I was hoping for. I have some news. Would have been great. Blake is named Blake Gilligan. Just take a shot in the dark what position Blake plays. Long snapper. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I know this. He's the punter. He's the punter! <laughs> Penn State brought a punter With to a mullet. media days? Yeah. Mullet yeah, punter. He's the punter. That's right. I knew that. I don't think James Franklin can be your choice anymore. <laughs> He's more my choice now. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. <laughs> I think we all need to go to bed. Um, at this point, we should just stay up and let this keep rolling and just see how delirious we'd be at 7 a.m. if we just didn't sleep. That's a bad idea. We're going to have coverage on HaleVarsity.com throughout the weekend from um, all things Big Ten Media Days. 
everybody will be riding stuff. Cars will continue honking in Chicago. I'm surprised we haven't had more honking cars so far. <laughs> We're going to have another podcast next week. So we will be back next week, and we will have stuff throughout the week on LVarsity.com. We're getting close to fan day, so football is the unofficial start of football. Football is the unofficial start of football. This is the unofficial start of the football season. <laughs> thank you guys for coming on. Brandon, thank you for tolerating this. <laughs> I appreciate it. Aaron, thank you for not destroying us. Thank you so much, Roundabout. Skyuma. 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 Go, 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 go. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>